So, courageous week number four. So far, we've thought about having confidence in the gospel, about being contagious, about actually having courage and what that really is. And today, we are going to think about yet another C, cost. So, in our Bible reading today, we found Paul in Corinth in his second missionary journey. And he has left Athens. Now, um, Athens is kind of on that picture to the right hand to the left hand side at the word Athens is in the middle of the sea can you see it and then it's pointing to a little yellow, a little white circle where Athens actually is yeah and then he goes from there more to the left to Corinth which is the nearest to the edge one of those little white blobs that are next to each other I'm sorry I couldn't make that any bigger <laughs> It was impossible to read it when I did. Anyway, right on that side of the Mediterranean, that's kind of where we're at. Paul meets up with Aquila, a Jewish tent maker like Paul, who'd recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. They lived and worked together for a while. And just like before, Paul spent all his time and specifically his Sabbath days, in the synagogue, trying to convince the Jews and the Gentiles that were around and about the synagogue area that actually they needed to worship Jesus and to know that he was the Messiah. While some of the Jews in the synagogue were not terribly happy with this and they opposed him and they insulted him so that at that point he decides, as we heard, he shook out his robes and said, blow you then. Well, he didn't quite say it like that, did he? (laughs) He said something about your own blood be on your own head, as it were. In other words, you've made your bed, now you must lie in it. You've chosen not to hear about the Messiah. Tough. I'm going to preach to the Gentiles from now on. And he goes to stay with this man called Titius Justus, who's a Gentile worshipper who happens to live next door to the synagogue. Well, there's a surprise. And in fact, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and all his household became believers, and lots of other people did too. So much so that Paul stayed there for a year and a half. And that was after he'd had a vision from the Lord, where the Lord had told him not to be afraid, but to speak out that the Lord was going to be with him and that no one was going to attack him or harm him. Paul knew all about hard work and personal sacrifice. You see, Corinth wasn't a great place. This is one of the ruins you can see here of um, one of the buildings that's still around today. It was, you could say, the Las Vegas of Greece at that time. Um, If I say it's a port city, you could see that from the map. Uh, It was full of sailors. I'm not going to say anymore. So Paul sets up in business with these two refugees because although he believed that people working for the good of the gospel should be paid so that they can concentrate on preaching and teaching, we can find about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul didn't want to appear biased to the community around him. So by having a job, he was kind of part of the society. It worked better for him that way. Eventually, as we heard in our reading, Timothy and Silas come with a gift from the church in Philippi which did mean that for a time, Paul was able to concentrate 100% on his preaching. He believed and he trusted 
the promises of God as he nurtured his fledgling little church. In in verse 10, we read of his promise, which is of his presence, his protection and his providential care. Mums and all of us who nurture others know about hard work and sacrifice and the courage it often takes. Now, I could tell you some stories about my children when they were small, and I wasn't going to because I thought my son was going to be in here, but he's gone out there. So, (laughs) he probably can still hear me, but hey, never mind, he can't look at me, so that's fine. (laughs) Simon is the younger of my two sons. He's going to come and look, I can see now. He's, He's the younger of my two sons, and he was the one who liked skateboarding and inline skating. So there were a number of trips to hospital for stitches and cuts and bangs and bruises and all the rest of it. There's a cost to nurture, isn't there? There's certainly a financial one today. The prices of some of the items parents are encouraged to buy for their children and babies um, is phenomenal. And of course the advertising says that you really need to have one of these if you're going to be a good parent, a good mum or a good dad. And then there's the emotional cost too. How many of us remember the first day of sending our small person to school? Particularly those mums of us who haven't worked during that time of their early childhood. And, you know, every day they've been alongside us. And then suddenly they're going off to school. And, well, for some it's a real freedom. For others it's a real loss. I expect, like me, you can think of occasions when someone that you have nurtured in some way maybe mentored or befriended, has saddened you or made you cross because of something they've said or done, maybe even in the heat of the moment. It seems to me there is a cost to being courageous. We live in a time, don't we, where everyone wants affirmation of some sort. A common thing I often hear is, well, what's in it for me? But you know, I don't think I've ever heard that in relation to having or looking after children. I wonder if it's because we've learned to make assumptions about that role. Maybe the hope of a hug every now and again. And then laughter at the funny things they say and do. Although, of course, there is always the potential fight with Weetabix if you have a small person in your house as they eat or throw their breakfast. And then, of course, there is the quantity of times you might have to say to your teenager, will you please tidy your room and bring the cups downstairs? I wonder if there's some kind of unspoken yet assumed sort of promise that is made when we nurture. Maybe it is that promise of presence, of protection and providential care. Andy and I have several friends who have fostered and then adopted children. And I've watched them develop the kinds of promises, I suppose you could say, they've made as they've taken those children on. It's been very beautiful to watch. But there's been a cost. They've taken on children with some difficult backgrounds and needs. But they've given them time and effort and energy. They've given their very presence. They've provided them with protection from a society that otherwise could have condemned them to difficult and maybe lonely lives in the future and they've cared for their every need. But the costs have been high. The children have fought and damaged. They've accused and disrupted. And in two cases, 
They have walked away from their adoptive parents. But all the parents have said they would do it again in a heartbeat, even with that great cost. And I really have to admire their amazing courage. God has given us similar promises to those that he gave to Paul and that those my friends gave to their children. He promises to be always with us. In Psalm 23, verse 4, we hear, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In Matthew 28, verse 20, we hear Jesus say, I am with you to the very end of the age. God will protect us. In Matthew 10, we find out that he knows the number of hairs on our heads and that we are worth far more than sparrows. And in Romans 8, we discover that nothing will separate us from the love of God. And God cares for his people. The things he says in his word, he will do. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 tells us, The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord stands forever. God keeps his promises. But he also knows that for us as Christians, there will be a cost as we try to be courageous, both as individuals and as a community. Jesus said, didn't he, that there will be a cost to following him, that we are to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Those who nurture know that same cost too, denying yourself so that someone else can have something. Paul knew it as he struggled to develop and encourages the church the churches he planted. And that got me to wondering, I wonder what costs we will face, perhaps, as we become a courageous church community. In the second of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth that he wrote sometime after he had left them, in response to letters that they'd sent to him, we hear how he describes the Christian community as one where we are to nurture each other in good times and bad. He says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for our comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. I notice as I read that passage that Paul doesn't say if you struggle. He says when you struggle. He knows there is going to be a cost for those who are courageous. For the Corinthian church, their sufferings were tough. They were often physical things, but I wonder what ours might be. Maybe our health too. Maybe things in our families. Maybe finance worries or employment things. Mary lived a life with some worries. In our Gospel reading, we heard about how she was warned about the cost of motherhood. I wonder what she really thought in those moments as Simeon explained to her the part of the cost. I wonder what sorrow fell upon her in that time. 
But as we shall hear in a few weeks, Jesus had got it sorted. As we will read in John's Gospel, that as he hangs on the cross, he will say to John, John, here is your mother. And to Mary, Mum, here is your son. Even hanging there, Jesus is able to fulfil those promises of protection and providential care for his mother. He has her very best interests in the centre of his heart. It seems to me that as we develop our resourcing church communities, as we look to see what God is calling us to do and to be, there are going to be costs because we're going to have to be courageous. But the good thing is this. God has got it all covered. He's already promised us his presence, his protection, and his providential, his God-given care. It seems to me the question on this Mothering Sunday for us is will we trust those promises? Will we be courageous as individuals and together as we try to follow where God leads us? Will we be courageous as we learn to develop and nurture and encourage each other in all the ways that God calls us to do that? That's the question. Will you trust the promises of God to look after us today? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you promise to be with us, to protect us and to care for us. As we think about those who have done those things for us here on earth, we entrust them to you. But we also ask you to teach us to be those who know your presence, who know your protection and know your care. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Amen.